Well, Merry Christmas morning to all of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that some of you have been up since the wee hours of this day, so I'll keep this short. Some of you may remember the Prime Minister of England from 1997 to 2007, Tony Blair. You may know that he's a devout Christian, strong believer in Jesus. Well, he had the unfortunate occasion to tour through a blood-stained classroom where a person had killed 16 students and a teacher. And his press secretary asked him, what does your God make of this? And Tony Blair stopped and answered, just because man is bad, it does not mean that God is not good. And there is no better time of year when we are reminded of this truth than Christmas. In a world filled with told and untold wickedness and evil, there is an influence across this entire globe once a year at this time. It happened 2,000 years ago, and once Christmas started being celebrated, there's just a spirit of goodwill, and there's a spirit of generosity and love and kindness more than any other time of the year. Once theologian said it this way, only at Christmas does Christ get the preeminence that ought to be his year round. In beauty, he shines for a season and then is thrust back into the smoldering darkness. Think about it. We pull out our nativity scenes and symbolic Christmas tree star toppers. And we prepare Advent wreaths and December sermon series and poignant and beautiful Christmas cards from past and present are proudly put on display. Books and music are dusted off and reread and resung. And then what? Well, likely sometime this week before it's the new year, everything will be racked and stacked and packed back in the attics and the storage sheds and the closets to become once again out of sight, but hopefully not out of mind. On a visit overseas, a wealthy man was fascinated with a powerful microscope. He was studying the petals of a flower, and he was amazed at their beauty and intricate detail. So he decided to purchase the microscope and take it home with him, and he immensely enjoyed a number of different items that he would look through that lens. And until one day, he he decided to examine the food he was about to eat. <laughs> and much to his dismay, he discovered tiny little living creatures crawling around in his food. And since he was very fond of this dish, he questioned what he should do. And after a little bit of thinking, his conclusion was that there was only one option. He had to throw away the microscope and never look at those tiny creatures again. <laughs> do you think it's possible that we could do that in a way with Christmas and the virgin birth? I mean, hear me out. Sometimes the closer we get to God for his reasons of coming to us in the form of his son, the more convicted and uncomfortable we become. I mean, he came because without him, there's no hope. But if you meditate on this, 
the whole idea of Jesus coming and the way in which he came, born in a barn around animal manure and born with rumors of illegitimacy and born in abject poverty with shame and scandal. Why? Well, he came to us in the worst of conditions that we might benefit from the best of results. Look at the scripture. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that he gave up his heavenly riches for you. He gave up everything so that you could be richly blessed. What about this one from Philippians? When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a sinless, obedient life and then died a sinless, obedient death. I tell you what, you meditate on these truths very long and it'll either change you or you're going to want to put it all back in storage and not think about it for a year. Maybe that's at least in part what we as Christ followers are supposed to do. Maybe the way we live and treat others is supposed to keep in front of the world who Jesus is and, and how he feels about them. Even after Christmas is long gone. A decade ago, we were introduced to a fellow named Patrick Green of San Antonio, Texas. At that time, he had a long history of disliking Christians, even combating with them. He was an outspoken atheist who at one time had threatened to sue Henderson County about the yearly manger display at the courthouse, something our friends and neighbors over at Eureka Springs are going through right now. He said in an interview with a local newspaper, my wife and I never had a Christian do anything nice for us. Well, that changed in March of 2012 when the 63-year-old Green at that time learned that he needed eye surgery for a detached retina. Green didn't have the money to pay for that surgery, so he was forced to give up his job as a cab driver. Well, news got out about his condition. A lady by the name of Jessica Cry took it to her local church. Someone contacted Green and he said, well, if you really want to contribute something, what we need is groceries. Green said that he thought maybe $50, at the most $100. But a few days later, he received a check for $400 from that church. And then the checks just started pouring in. He said later in that interview, I thought I was in the twilight zone. These people are acting like what the Bible says a Christian does. Well, as you can imagine, Green stopped trying to remove the manger display. In fact, he decided to add his own contribution, a star for the top of the nativity scene. And he added, well, you, you people can figure out how to plug it in. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe one reason for the annual Christmas celebration is to jumpstart all of us who claim to be his followers, those of us who have the light of Christ dwelling within, that it might shine all year round. Again, from this 
theologian I quoted earlier in the sermon. Let us determine that we will not imprison Christ in the dark closet of the soul. Let the indwelling Christ be ever revealed, be ever revealed year-round. <laughs>